Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's Sovereignty Act, the bill that's caused so much national discussion, has now officially passed the Alberta legislature. The legislation, which Smith campaigned heavily on during her leadership race, passed just 10 days after being tabled. A new public opinion survey on Canada's premiers shows Quebec Francois Legault is a popular figure, but Ontario's Doug Ford is fast losing support. Meanwhile, newly unveiled federal numbers show that tens of thousands of children were targeted by the state for violating COVID-19 quarantine rules. Was this a good use of our resources? Hello Canada, it's Friday, December 9th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's Sovereignty Act has now officially passed in the Alberta legislature. The law that is designed to give the province the ability to ignore federal laws that it deems harmful to its interests garnered a lot of discussion around the country, including hints that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau may soon fight it. The United Conservative Party majority government passed motions at the final three stages of the bill to limit debate and quicken the bill's passage. Now, in its final form, Bill 1, as it's known, the Alberta Sovereignty within a United Canada Act, was stripped of a provision which would have granted Smith's cabinet the power to rewrite laws outside the legislative process. Following criticism, the government put forward amendments to remove those powers, but the Premier wouldn't say whether the original wording was intentional. But despite all the fighting words, Smith said Thursday she hopes the province will, quote, never have to use this bill. Smith added, it begins the conversation with Ottawa so that they do not continue to pass aggressive policy targeted specifically at our industry and specifically at our development of our natural resources. Rachel, you are, of course, our Alberta correspondent, so I got a lot of questions for you on, on what's going on here, what's behind the headlines. I do find it very interesting that Smith, admitting in that quote, is this really about passing the details of this legislation per se, or is this really about, look guys, Alberta's just serious about getting respect on the national stage. We're serious about our concerns being heard. Yeah, we've seen that kind of language from Danielle Smith sort of throughout this process, even during the United Conservative Party leadership race. She said, look, this has already been very successful because even my proposal to introduce an Alberta Sovereignty Act has started a conversation across Canada about Alberta autonomy and about Alberta's ability to defend its own resources. And she even pointed to Saskatchewan, which has introduced similar legislation, you know, as an example of a province that was also following suit on this conversation. And of course, rightly or wrongly, the federal government is very sensitive to Quebec's concerns, to Quebec's needs and feelings about things. And I know we've heard increasingly, why can't Alberta get similar treatment to Quebec? Why don't other provinces sort of ask to be viewed in the same way rather than taken for granted? And that's sort of the point that Smith has made from the very beginning. She said, all that we're asking is to be treated like Quebec. But of course, it's been a much bigger deal here in Alberta. The federal government doesn't seem very happy about the passage of this legislation, you know, through the legislature earlier this week. And we're still not sure how they're going to respond at this point. No, certainly. Justin Trudeau saying, I'm not looking for a fight, but, and then he detailed the ways that perhaps there could be a fight. I guess the question is how it's all framed. Some people are saying Daniel Smith is damaging the Federation with this act, but to me, it kind of looks like she's looking to heal the Federation if you believe, as a lot of people do, that the federal government is, is not equal in its respect for provinces. And this is really 
a, a cry for help. This is really a sign that if you don't like the Sovereignty Act, well, don't do the things that, that created the environment for the Sovereignty Act to be popular in the first place. Well, absolutely. Alberta is feeling very frustrated about its inability to get its resources to market. And one of the examples that Smith gave during the UCP leadership race repeatedly at many events throughout the province was that Alberta is unable to build long stretches of highway in its own province, even if it doesn't cross into other provincial borders without permission from the federal government. So certainly, you know, Alberta, like other provinces like Saskatchewan, is feeling sort of landlocked by Ottawa and that they have their hands strapped behind their back and that they're unable to really move forward and progress with their province without this green light from Ottawa, which is becoming increasingly difficult under the Trudeau Liberals. Quebec Premier Francois Legault is Canada's most popular premier as 2022 comes to a close, while Ontario Premier Doug Ford continues to slide in the polls, a new Angus Reid poll found. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe fell behind Legault, remaining one of the most popular provincial leaders in the country. He has the approval of 56% of residents. Nova Scotia Premier Tim Houston came third, receiving the approval of 53% of Nova Scotians for a second consecutive quarter. Alberta's Danielle Smith has the approval of 42% of Albertans. But after securing a majority government in the spring general election, Ontario Premier Doug Ford approval ratings remain low, with just one in three Ontarians, or 34%, giving Ford the green light. And finally, Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson ends the year where she started, at the bottom of the Angus Reid approval ratings with 26%. The poll found that of the 499 Manitobans surveyed, 4% strongly approved of Stephenson, while 23% approved. These are not some good numbers for Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson. She started the year off pretty poorly and she's ending the year, you know, where she started. Why do you think she's seeing such low ratings? Well, I guess a lot of internal concerns about what's going on in that province and the Premier failing to inspire uh, people there, Rachel. It, it is interesting to see the considerable split that's going on in Canada right now. Uh, it's not like Premiers in general are all sort of hovering in the same category there's a major divergence from popular to unpopular. Absolutely. And I think no better example of that than Doug Ford. I mean, he just won a majority government earlier this year, and now we're seeing him slip so radically in the polls. I'm wondering, you know, how much has the teachers union and the issues surrounding that been a result of these numbers? Rachel, I definitely think there have been controversies in the press that have whittled away at his support. And I think the teacher strike and how he handled it has certainly played a role in all of that. I will also add, though, that the idea that Ford won this sort of commanding second majority and everybody loved him. And I saw a couple articles in newspapers, op-ed pieces saying Doug Ford is now like the leader of Canada's conservative movement. I think that's all kind of bogus because what really happened here was the opposition was so extraordinarily weak. The NDP leader and the liberal leader really failed to inspire. And they both had very sort of hard left approaches. It was a spring election when everybody was done with COVID and they were both going crazy about how basically we got to lock society down again. We definitely have to have more mask mandates, vaccine mandates. They were just heavily focused on all of that. And Doug Ford looked like the normal person in the room, despite being the person who, who plunged Ontario into its fourth lockdown just earlier this year in January, he was actually the one who appeared moderate fighting against all of that. So I don't think it signaled that people necessarily uh, were flag-waving conservatives in Ontario, just that the alternatives were so dismal that that's how he uh, managed to prevail. I think that's a really good, important point to remember. Similarly, you know, I'm obviously watching Alberta quite closely. The 42% of approval for Daniel Smith is actually pretty good. These are some higher numbers for her than we've seen in a while. We saw Jason Kenney's polls 
kind of falling when he was still the premier. And, you know, in other polls that have come out, she's actually really close to the NDP, a couple points ahead in some of the most recent ones that have come out from Angus Reid and Main Street Research, actually. So even though she's still in the bottom half, she's still doing pretty well. And I think we're going to see these numbers continue to spike as she takes more action for her government, including some of the checks that we're seeing that she's going to be giving to Albertans to help them weather the cost of living crisis. Rachel, let me ask you this. I know that the Sovereignty Act is causing some hand-wringing among Laurentian elites and people in Ottawa, but what is its popularity in Alberta and to what degree does the Sovereignty Act play in terms of Daniel Smith's overall popularity? I think that's something we're still going to be looking to see. I've had a hard time really gauging it in some polling that came out from Angus Reid ahead of the Sovereignty Act's passage. They said a majority of Albertans were against the Sovereignty Act. But, you know, sometimes with this polling, you have to wonder who's actually taking these calls. There's always been a concern that polling can be a little bit biased. Certainly online, which is also not a very accurate sense of what's going on. People seem very supportive of the Sovereignty Act. You know, NDP leader Rachel's not least posts against the Sovereignty Act have not done very well compared to how much support there's been for Danielle Smith's posts about the Sovereignty Act. So I'm still waiting to get a sense for this, but certainly, you know, in a lot of conservative circles, there is quite a bit of support for the Sovereignty Act. And we're seeing Danielle Smith be really, really careful about the language that she uses about the Sovereignty Act to not scare away some of those more mainstream voters that she needs to attract in order to win the general election this spring. Nearly 5,000 children were cited for breaking the Quarantine Act, and another 60,000 children, those under 18, were issued warnings. This is according to documents obtained by Blacklock's reporter. Now, the citations were described as a, quote, warning issued in person by a law enforcement officer as a result of non-compliance identified either at the port of entry or during a police check at the traveler's quarantine address. That's according to Cabinet in an inquiry of ministry tabled at the House of Commons. Now, most warnings were issued to parents or guardians by inspectors from the Public Health Agency of Canada. Now, the agency has issued nearly $15 million in quarantine fines, that ranges from $100 for children to $275 for travelers suspected of providing false statements. Now, $500 fines were given for, quote, failure to comply with a reasonable measure and up to $1,000 fines for illegally entering the country. More than 48,000 warnings were also issued to children under 18 over the phone as a result of noncompliance discovered during a verification call, according to the documents. Public Health Agency of Canada has not been able to confirm the exact age of travelers who have received warnings. Now, Rachel, I just got to say, not to toot my own horn, but I think I deserve some sort of an award here for being able to uh, read this story uh, just sort of straight up with any emotion, because I got to tell you, the past two years, the stories about how, how kids were on the receiving end of this, this COVID extreme measures gets me so angry. Just reading this makes me really frustrated. Uh, all of the things about the school closures, closing down playgrounds, the stuff we did to our children. So uh, reading all of this to know that inspectors got on the phone and yelled at kids about whether or not they quarantined for 13 days rather than 14 days, it just drives me bonkers. Absolutely. It's disgusting. There's not really any other way to put it. You know, we all suffered during COVID-19 and from the lockdowns and stuff that were inflicted upon Canadians, but kids definitely suffered the most. They had the most extreme impacts. You know, kids are supposed to be out playing with their friends. They're supposed to be at school. And we really robbed them of that for two years. So this is really inappropriate what we're seeing here from the federal government. And I think we need to ensure that nothing like this ever happens again. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. 
And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.